Today I'm speaking about the fivefold ministry in the church, in the kingdom of God, and just what is the place of this fivefold ministry. Now, we have had a lot of hurt and a lot of pain when it comes to the fivefold ministry, and we've had wrong understanding when it comes to the fivefold ministry in the kingdom of God. Now, the reason why I talk about the fivefold ministry is just to get any misunderstanding out of the way, uh, number one, and number two, to also just explain what the place is of the fivefold ministry. <coughs> if, now, the fivefold ministry I'm talking about, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Uh, that is known as the fivefold ministry. Some of you, you don't come out of the apostolic or the, um, the or the, I mean, the Pentecostal or charismatic move where you're not familiar with the term fivefold ministry. So, fivefold ministry talks about the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teachers, and what we would see as officers in the church or the preachers in the church. Uh, a wrong understanding of that can bring a lot of harm and a lot of pain <coughs> into the church and can also make people feel that they are not good enough, that they don't qualify, that they are not acceptable. Now, um, when we, and, and I'm going into many weeks of talking about the kingdom of God and what this kingdom of God is. So I want you to understand that the kingdom of God that I'm talking about, and when I talk about the kingdom that is coming to this earth or that is manifesting in this earth already, we're seeing the, the first fruits of the kingdom of God in the earth. I'm not talking about a, a place or a system wherein we need to manifest the kingdom of God in the earth. That is just going to tire us out. That's just going to make us tired. Traditionally, I believed uh, that Jesus Christ, since all authority was given unto him, that I have now all authority, <clears throat> and that I must now go and bring forth and manifest the kingdom of God in the earth. Now, last week we spoke about that quite extensively, but let me just recap a little bit on that. The mindset that most of us have is that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, and then when he appeared to his apostles, he said to them that all authority has been given unto me. Go and preach the gospel now. And then we misunderstood uh, all authority has been given unto him and that we can now, we understood it as that authority has now been given to us. Let us go and advance the kingdom. Now that is a problem. Because the moment we get into that understanding of authority, the moment we think that all authority has now, since it was given unto Jesus, it's now given unto us, and that is our work to go and manifest the kingdom and bring forth the kingdom, we have been uh, tricked by Satan the very same way he tricked Adam and Eve. God said to Adam and Eve that you in your own ability cannot live forever but that eternal life is found in God giving them access to the tree of eternal life, in God giving them life. That's the only place you can find life. You cannot find life in the knowledge of good, and then you working the good, and so produce a life for yourself. Can you see how these things flow together? Let me explain this way. If I look at Jesus, who, who's received all authority, and I look at the good, and then I want to work that good in my life every day and say, because Jesus got authority, 
I've got all authority, therefore I rule and reign. <clears throat> that is not, uh, you know, then I'm exactly where Adam and Eve was when they beheld the good in God, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and then they tried to have life by doing good and found that they don't have the ability to do that, that they don't have eternal life inside them by their, and that they cannot bring it forth by their own doing. It is, they, they're not uh, inherently immortal beings. They do, they're not inherently beings that can manifest and bring forth the life of God by beholding God and then living like God. God has not made us to be like that. We need to understand that we have not been made, uh, we are not beings that possess the ability to behold the good that God does and then do exactly what He does and through that have eternal life. We, that, is not the, that is not our design. The way God designed us was that He would be good and then He would be good to us and then His goodness would give us life. We've been designed as beings that are that can be influenced. And when we are influenced by someone's love or goodness, then that love and goodness, by the power of that love, will bring forth the very same inside us. So, since Jesus has all authority, meaning that He has conquered sin and conquered death as a human being, we can now go with the good news that Jesus rules and reigns over our sin and over, over our death. What that means is that Jesus will come and manifest love in our lives, that Jesus, since He's got the authority to bring that forth in our lives, He can bring forth peace and goodness and kindness in our lives. Why? Because He became sin, he received death, he even died, and then in his resurrection, he conquered sin, conquered our sin, he conquered death, as well as whatever people could do to him. He conquered that, and then in human form, we can see now that he, since he's conquered sin and death, he now has got the rule or the dominion over that. He's just using... Uh, what I would call kingly language or kingdom language. If I would come to you and I would say to you that, let us take Zimbabwe, for instance, a neighboring country in South Africa. I don't know if you used this last time in my illustration, but let's use it again if I use it last time. Zimbabwe is a nation that is really going through very, very, very difficult times. I remember when I was there in Zimbabwe, uh, one time, I, I can't remember exactly when that was, but it was just when they took the farms uh, without compensation from people and all the international aid, aid and all the international people and people that put money there, investors withdrew their money and they ran away. <coughs> I would walk into the shop and I found one packet of sugar in a whole supermarket. One packet of sugar, all the shelves empty. There's no bread, there's no milk, there's nothing. Now imagine people living in a situation like that and 
let's say Robert Mugabe passes away and they get a next ruler and let's say he's a dictator and he passes away and the next guy comes and he's a dictator. What would the people want? The people would want an, to be under the rule or domain of another country. They would want another country to come and just uh, uh, come into the country and even if they have to take it over, they just want to be under the rule of another nation where that rule is righteous and where that rule is good so that the people will not be in bondage but that the people will be free. Now imagine they want another nation, let's say South Africa or Botswana, neighboring countries, or Europe, a European nation, let's say Germany or Holland or maybe the United States, if we take the Americas, and they would want one of those nations to come and take over that nation so that the dominion and the way of doing of that country can now be established inside this country. Now imagine that starts to happen and then the king or the president of the other country comes and he says, listen, all authority has now been given unto me. Go and preach this good news. What does that mean? Does that mean we must now, let's, let's say Zimbabweans, does it mean Zimbabweans must now try and manifest the new countries, new country they are under? Must they now go and try and bring forth Holland or bring forth Germany or bring forth the United States in that country? No. The good news now is that they are under the rule of another nation and that that nation will now buy its wealth, its riches, its power, its army, its police, the, the safety it brings, it will come and establish and bring forth uh, its rule there and we will be the beneficiaries of that. We will be heirs of that kingdom. That is what Jesus said. When Jesus said, all authority was given, given unto me, go and preach the gospel. And then when he says, these signs shall follow them that believe, it doesn't mean that we now, through signs, wonders and miracles, must try and establish the kingdom of eternal life in the earth. Those are just signs that the kingdom, that all authority was given to Jesus, and that He, by His Spirit, will bring forth the way it is in heaven, in earth. That is all it means. So if we go and we pray for the sick, or if we go and we've got the gift of prophecy, or all those kind of things, we see that these signs, these supernatural abilities that we have, is a sign that Jesus has got all authority. In other words, if a dead man is raised, what does it say? It says, and it is a proof and a sign, that Jesus has got authority over death, and that He will, in His return, see the full glorification of mankind, as well as the glorification of this planet wherein heaven and earth is joined together, and that is, as N.T. Wright says, that, that is the, uh, the, the new kingdom, or that is, the, that is the new heaven and the new earth. That is exactly how it works. So what takes place and what we need to understand is that Jesus has received all authority. He then gave gifts unto man. That authority that he has is that he will now 
by His Holy Spirit, bring forth the domain of heaven in earth and glorify earth so that it will be in earth as it is in heaven. That is what will take place. And that is then signified by death, no more death in anybody's life, and all those uh, that believed upon the Lord, that they will be raised from the dead, that their bodies will be restored, as what the body of Jesus was restored after he died. So our bodies will be restored, and we shall be glorified with the very same glory that Jesus has. That is the good news. And now since this message of eternal life in the kingdom of God is now preached and all authority belongs to Jesus, He has gifted people supernaturally to, by the Holy Spirit, do signs, wonders, and miracles, have supernatural understanding of the scriptures, and so forth, as a sign of this truth, so that people will rely upon Jesus and upon the Holy Spirit and the work of the Father to bring forth what Jesus and who Jesus is inside them. Now, I hope that is clear. I've said it as clear as what I can and as what I know how. Now, um, I want to, when we look at the kingdom of God and how He manifests that in the earth, I want to read from Ephesians 1 verse 5 and 6, and I'm just going to read from the King James, so that you can understand what this kingdom is all about. Traditionally, the kingdom was seen, and, and, and let me address the error before I go on there. When we come and we think that through those gifts, through those signs, we must now establish the kingdom, we're completely missing it. You cannot by a sign establish the kingdom, or I don't want to say establish, manifest the kingdom that God established in the resurrection of Jesus Christ in the earth. So if I come and I say to you, listen, I've, uh, I've a new, there's a new kingdom in the earth now. There's, or there's a new kingdom in, in, um, in Zimbabwe. The Americans took over Zimbabwe. Or the Germans took over Zimbabwe. So now what we now take is, we've got a sign. What is the sign? We take the German flag, the American flag, and we put it up all over town. And that flag is a sign of what is taking place. It might still take many years to see the manifestation of that kingdom because you're going to have to have people believe in that kingdom, trust in that kingdom, open up for the rulership and the domain of that kingdom. And since the kingdom of God is not uh, a, a domain wherein God forces himself down on people, but a place where he wins the hearts and through a persuaded heart he loves us, and then through that love and belief in the heart, we are influenced unto the birth of the very life of Jesus. This can take a long time. It can take time. And as that kingdom would be fully manifested, we would find that eternal life or immortality will manifest in people's lives in the earth. Now, I want to read a passage in Ephesians here and this is how it reads in the King James. It says, Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, 
to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein he, ha- wherein he has made us acceptable in the Beloved. So it says here that He has predestinated us unto the adoption of children, according to the pleasure of His goodwill, to the praise of the glory of His grace. In other words, there's, a, there's grace, and it says, by this grace, He has made us acceptable in the Beloved. Now, when we see that, there's something we need to understand. When God looked at the earth and he looked at what man was going through, he was saying that is not acceptable. So many times we read that passage and think that we as humans are not acceptable. And then Jesus Christ came and the Father punished Jesus on my behalf and then it was acceptable for the Father to love us. Now that is not true. When the Bible talks about making us acceptable, it's talking, there's there's a, a kingdom term there that I would like to explain. Now, in my um, paraphrase, I wrote it this way. It says, It was unacceptable in the eyes of God to see us under the bondage of death. What was acceptable was brought into light in the resurrection of Jesus, giving us freedom from the bondage of sin, living in the hope of the glorification that awaits us in the resurrection. The way we are now is acceptable to him. Slavery is unacceptable. So we have always been acceptable to God, but what we were under wasn't acceptable. And now he came in the resurrection, and when he put a human being at the right hand of God, and in that human he brought forth a truth from where we can have that life born in us, that is acceptable to him, and that is how we've been made acceptable. And that is a kingdom term. Now, if we move on to Ephesians uh, chapter 4, and I'm just going to read this from the King James. This talks about apostles, prophets, and teachers, and those, and so forth. And I want you to have this kingdom in mind. There is a kingdom. There is, I wish there was another way, another word that I could use instead of the word kingdom. Because the word kingdom has been so abused that inside our minds there's just this default setting that just like it talks about weirdness. I remember the times when I was uh, part of the church where our focus, and I mean I also believe some of that, not all of it, some of it myself, where I believe we had to manifest the kingdom and in this kingdom there's an authoritative structure, there's apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers and if you want to plant a church you need the blessing of the apostle and You need a prophetic word from the prophet that stands in the office of a prophet. And then if you ever later on say anything against this apostle or this prophet, then this thing cannot stand and it will fall. And it's almost like God has got this magical power and a a, a secret system that he has put inside the apostles, the prophets or the bishops or I don't know what. And, And people start to wear funny clothes and act funny when it comes to these things. And I'm not pointing a finger. I don't want to be ugly about something or too sarcastic. <laughs> I just want to say so that we can understand what's going on. I, I, I believe some of that. And there is no life in that approach. Uh, that approach is the approach where we see Jesus as the one with all authority and therefore we must manifest it in the earth. Now that is not the job of the apostle and the prophet. This is, uh, let us just read Ephesians 4 here. It says, 
Wherefore he says, when he ascended upon high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also as uh, that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things and gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some other pastors and teachers. I see I didn't print the other one, uh, but I will just get that quickly in Ephesians uh, 4 verse 12. Um, let me just get that. Ephesians 4 verse 12, it says, And these apostles and prophets are for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And now it explains what this is, that we from now on be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ. So, what he is saying here is that Jesus Christ ascended on high. Now, says if he ascended, what does it mean but that he first descended into the lower parts of the earth and then ascended? So, what he is saying is the ascended Jesus the glorified Jesus should never be seen as a different person as the one that walked on the earth. That's what it says. He says, the one that descended into the lower parts of the earth, the lower parts even talks about death. The one that was a human being that entered into death, that very same one was raised into the highest heavens. That is what he is saying. And from there, as a human, he is ruling over the earth. And the purpose of that ascension into the highest heavens is so that the life of the highest heavens can be brought forth in the earth by his doing. That is it. Now, the way it's going to take place is, it's going to take place by people believing this truth and being persuaded by the truth. In other words, we've got access into this grace through faith. So as we are persuaded of that, this truth, this truth comes and settles in our hearts, and the power of the resurrection brings this, the truth about Jesus, forth in the earth. Amen. It's like again, like like if we take uh, uh, America and we take Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe is not America. But when Zimbabwe is under the rulership of America, you will find that the way it looks in America, that's how this will start to look. And there will be a point in, in, in a day where these two look exactly the same. Where, and if we take it to the church now, where heaven and earth collides and we find a, a heavenly physicality where in the fullness of who God is manifesting the earth. And he is busy with that today. The very message I preach today is part of that. Uh, the very good that you want to do based on this revelation is part of that. And therefore, we can never 
ever waste one second, one cent in this kingdom should that life be born from the revelation of what Christ has done for us and not willpower or law or being forced to do it, but God's life being born in us. Now, Jesus ascended. He was the one that descended and ascended. And what did he do? He led captivity captive. He led captivity captive. In other words, that which took us captive, he took that and jailed that. So captivity was taken captive. And then it says, and he gave gifts unto men. Now, what is that gift? In my paraphrase, I basically said it this way. When Jesus ascended, he gifted heaven with an immortal human being. And since heaven was gifted with that, earth can be gifted with the glory of God. That is what takes place. And the way he gifts, what he gifted us with is eternal life. That is the gift he's pouring out. But then it also explains that this gift, this gift of righteousness, this gift of eternal life will manifest in the earth in certain forms. And the way it started to be manifested is through people, gifted people, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And what the purpose of these people were, they were gifts to preach the gospel to people that people can just understand the message. That's all it is about. They've never, God has never thought of an apostle or a prophet or an evangelist or a pastor or a teacher as a channel through which he will talk to his people or as an office where, which if that office is not there, that the people cannot be blessed. That's never what he thought. When he, when he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers, all that he did was, and this is how it works, this grace message, when people started to believe it, after Peter preached it the first time, when that grace message settled into the hearts of people, then that message of grace, that kingdom of God, brought forth what is needed to help people. And what it brought forth was, people that had a passion to go and take this special message all over the world and plant it and put it in certain places. And those were the apostles of the Lamb. We found that that was the apostle of the Lamb, including Paul. They came and, and they, were, they were gifted to sit together and talk about how the Old Testament prophets and what was spoken was fulfilled in Christ and they came to a bottom line conclusion by the gifting of the Holy Spirit on what the gospel really is. And they laid down the doctrine of the New Testament. That is what it is all about. It wasn't a special office that if you don't have that in your church, then the church cannot function. No, that's rubbish. The Apostle Paul, after he left churches, the churches still continued. It's not as if, as if he was needed all the time. What about Stephen preaching the gospel and people starting to believe and things change there and whatever. There were people that were gifted. In other words, let me put it this way. The fruit of the resurrection life, the first fruit of that was Jesus being raised from the dead. The second thing we started to see is people really understanding this message. 
And then these people that really understood the message went and they felt, let us shepherd people. Let us, let, they just had this gifting inside them. Let us just help people and keep them together so they can understand and be comforted and loved. Other people just had the ability to take this and just like it's a supernatural ability and teach this to people. Others had the ability to just go and they felt the passion by grace to go to people that has never heard and just tell them the good news boldly. And they were gifted uh, to actually minister this in a way that people can, can grab a hold of that. That didn't make them and doesn't make them special at all. Neither does that make them uh, make that we need that office in order to have a relationship with God. The purpose of that ministry is clearly seen here in Ephesians. It is to equip people that they can understand the gospel. That's all it is. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, and the pastor, and the teacher has got one thing in common, and that is this. Let me read it to you. This is the purpose. And sadly, you know, when I look at apostles, when I look at prophets or people that call them apostles and prophets, they've got no clue on what the grace message is. And I'm not pointing fingers. I'm, I want to help the church and I want to help preachers that watch this. You cannot say, well, my gifting is not to teach. Therefore, that's an, an excuse not to understand. <laughs> we cannot say, because my gifting is not to teach. I don't have, I've got an excuse not to understand. Or because I am a prophet, it means all that I'm concerned about is the future and giving prophetic words in the name of Jesus, having no clue or, or understanding on how the gospel fits together. A prophet is a person. Let's talk about a prophet quickly. A prophet is a person that can look at the Old Testament prophets, and since he's, he's got a passion and a love for the prophetic, he looks at the prophets of old, and he can say how the old prophetic words was fulfilled in Jesus. You know, prophets, what does prophets do? They explain prophecies as well. They can explain what a prophecy is. So, number one, if you're a New Testament prophet, I would say that I want to see how you can take Ezekiel, how you can, can take Isaiah, how you can take Jeremiah, how you can take Malachi, Malachi 3, when it comes to the to the tithe and Malachi 4, the outpour of judgment, all those things, and see how that, and explain to me how that is fulfilled in Jesus. If you can take that prophetic word and see how it's fulfilled in Jesus and show me what it means to my future, and from there you also have the gifting to give prophetic words accurately to people, then I will consider you a prophet. But before that, I don't see you as a prophet. I, I don't see it as a, as a prophet. That's not the work of the prophet. The work of the apostle and the prophet, the evangelist and the pastor and teacher, the, the, the prophet understands those things. The, the apostles of that time laid down funda foundational doctrine and they had the ability to go to a place and start something powerful. Um, with, with, they had this special message that was never heard. That is what they carried. The pastor with those that shepherded, those that stayed in the town, had just this natural concern for people. 
and wanted to see that these people are safe and cared for. Not from the foundation of, I just feel they must be safe and cared for, but I don't understand the gospel. They must understand the gospel. I believe that the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher must have an equally deep understanding of the gospel. How can you be a shepherd of the people of God without understanding the message that, that this is all about? Maybe you can have a, a deep understanding of that and you can preach it in a certain way. Maybe you're not gifted to explain it in a way that everybody all the time says, aha. But at least you must understand that you must understand what the death of Jesus means. You must understand what the resurrection means. You must at least start to see that the kingdom of heaven is like what I've explained today. Just at least that. Where we start and say the, that Jesus Christ came and took a... We, you at least need to understand and give an account of the hope you have. The Bible says we need to be ready to give an account of the hope we have. Now, even that verse, if you read it for what it truly says, it means this. You need to give an account on why you expect that you will be immortal physically. Why do you think that you will have a physical resurrection? Why do you believe that this earth will be glorified and man will be made brand new and in their physical bodies they will receive immortality. That is what that passage actually means. So if I go to you, if I go to uh, uh, any preacher, any one of the fivefold, and I ask them, explain to me why you are expecting immortality in a human body and not just to fly off to go and live in heaven. But why are you expecting that? You need at least give a reason for the hope you have. You need to come and say to me that, and this is what must be the basic understanding in the church, you need to come and say that there was a man that incarnated my sin, that in, or that incarnated human flesh, took sin and death upon him, conquered sin, sin and death, and is seated as a physical human being at the right hand of the Father, and his plan was to adopt man unto who he is, and since he is the only immortal, and there is an immortal human in, in equality with God, and since I, I, all people have sin, and he was made sin, we were all included into that death and resurrection, therefore we cannot but expect him to bring forth that truth in our lives. So we're expecting what He has in His resurrection in our lives today. That's the minimum. We, we, can, we cannot go less than that. The purpose of those people is, the purpose of the fivefold ministry then is, and let me read it here. It says here, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. It is so that it talks about the perfecting of the saints. So why are we here? We are here for the perfecting of the saints. That word perfecting means slight adjustment. So it means that we are here, the fivefold ministry is here, to adjust what people believe. Okay? And then comma, for the work of the ministry. In other words, for the work of ministering 
to these people and edifying them. And then it's a semicolon and then verse 13, uh, or a colon, then verse 13, explaining what verse 12 means. It says this, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. In other words, till we all can come to the same bottom line conclusion on what we believe Jesus died for and uh, that we can know that we can know what the Son of God knows and know, uh, uh, have the same knowledge about Him. That says, to the measure of the full stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, the measure of the full stature of Christ, that we can come to the understanding, the full understanding of what Christ has come to bring to the earth. That is what it says here. And now it gives you the, the life that a person will have that has got this full understanding. This is how that life will look. They will no more be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lay and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, uh, they may grow up into all things which is the head, even Christ. So, the purpose, and, and I'm ending off with this. The purpose of the fivefold ministry was not to be a special office with a certain pot of anointing oil wherein you go around anointing people and you are just saying, oh, if the apostle can just lay his hand upon me, the anointing of the apostle, break the yoke, and yeah, I need an apostle and a prophet and an evangelist and a pastor and a teacher, but you know, this year from the evangelist down, it's not really, the big shots are the apostles and the prophets. And they now need to come, and if they lay my hands on me, there's a breaking and a special breakthrough moment within the next hour. That is all lies, church. God has not brought the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher for that purpose. There's only one reason that all of those offices are there. It is so that people can come to the full understanding, so that the world can come. People out in the bush, wherever the apostle feels to go, or the, the prophet feels to go, whatever, where they go, and the purpose is to through signs and wonders and through being gifted to understand and explain the gospel, have the end goal of teaching the people and having them understand the gospel so that they, so that Christ can bring forth His fullness in them. That is what it is. No other reason. So I want to say to you, when we talk about the gospel of the kingdom, we, we are not talking about a place where we find a man of God saying, or people saying, he's got the special anointing and he is an apostle, or he is a prophet, or he is a whatever you want to call it. And we cannot even have a legitimate church in town unless a man in the office of an apostle has come and planted that church under a prophetic word. And then... Once that is there, then, then the apostle must lay hands upon the uh, pastor, and then that pastor, that there's an anointing transference and all of that. Man, that's just called witchcraft. That's what it's called. It's called witchcraft, deceit, lies. That is what it's called. We need to understand, and, and I'm ending off by just concluding everything. God has come to bring his kingdom in the earth. He brought forth a truth, something that's true about every man. And when he led captivity captive, he looked at humanity. 
And as he looked at humanity through the Apostle Peter, who was preached the gospel for the first time after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 2. Now, the Jesus also preached the gospel, so I don't want to get technical about this. After the, the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Peter preached. After he preached, what took place? 3,000 people believed. Then God was looking at this earth, and out of these people that believed, out of people believing the gospel, as they believed the gospel, the resurrection power of Christ gifted people to some of them just, you know, when they would read a scripture, they, they just have the ability to remember one scripture and remember another one, and, 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 and then all of a sudden ability to put these things together. And I mean, I look at some, some of these people in which long before computers, Matthew Henry, for instance, I don't say everything he says is right. I'm just using an example. The way that guy can remember scripture and put it together, the, the, the way Albert Barnes can do that, it is a gift of God. Human with their own knowledge and intellect cannot put it together like that. It is impossible. It's a gift of God. So God comes and from that, he didn't decide, well, that's a special person, that's a special person. No. When the gospel was believed by certain people, grace, the divine influence in manifesting the kingdom of God, we find the first, some of the first fruit or the first effects of that kingdom was people that understand this that can quickly explain it to people. And as they could hear it and understand it, the word they speak, the word the apostles preached, had to be fully resonating with what the what Abba Father has already been speaking to people from conception, from in the inner man, confirming the word of the Father all the time. Let me read John six here. I wasn't even planning to say this, but let me get into that. And Seems to me I'm going to end off three times today. John 4, uh, John 6, verse, verse uh, 44. No man can come unto me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up in the last day. Okay, so no one can come to Jesus unless the Father draws him. How does the Father draw him? As it is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God, Every man, therefore, that has heard and has learnt of the Father comes to me. So, the Father is speaking. People are hearing the voice of the Father. The voice of the Father would be to a certain person, for instance, you know what? This thing that you need to strap a bomb around you and go and blow yourself up to get a place in heaven, you know, that's not me. There's something wrong with it. Then as a person hears that and learns from that, and he says, there's something wrong with that. Something's just not right with that. As he says that, he is drawn to someone that will bring Christ to him. And that person will then preach Jesus to him. That is how it works. And that person that preaches to him, his job, if you want to call it a job, would be to speak a word 100% true with what the Father is speaking into that person's heart, which he just experiences as feelings and emotions, but he cannot put words to it. 
I've so many times preached at places, then people say to me, Bertie, you've put into words what my heart always knew. And that is the job of the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. All of them has got the same purpose, just they just get to the point in different ways. But the end goal is for people to truly understand the gospel so that the gospel and the truth and the resurrection power of Christ can bring forth in each person what, what it will bring forth in him. And in that, the whole body edifies one another. So, I end off saying, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are simply there to bring an explanation of what the true gospel is. It's not a special anointing or a special office uh, that we, th- under which we must submit and unless they anoint us and pray for us, we cannot have anything and then we're actually worse off than the other person that doesn't have that. That is not it. The apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor and teacher are simply servants to, servants to the church in different ways like what you would find someone can play a harp Someone can play a a piano, someone can play a violin, and the purpose of that is to bring forth music unto the entertainment of the people. They can be served with that which Christ wants to serve them. So, if you are in any of those categories, I want to tell you, my friend, let us understand the gospel. Let us understand that we need to, the purpose is, to bring clarity of the gospel to people. We cannot say, well, since I'm not a gifted teacher, you know, I don't care about studying scripture. I've heard people say, because I'm a prophet, you know, I don't understand grace and I don't care about those kind of things. I just care about giving accurate words and that's all it is. No, that is not right. Everything we do as we lead people and any person that stands in front of any crowd in any form, be it in, I don't care if it's on Facebook or however, if you stand there, know, inside you, go and say, Lord, I want to understand your grace, and you raise, you raise up by grace what will be 100% resonating to what you've always spoken to people. Glory to God. Well, church, thank you so much for slotting in. We've come to the end of our service, and at the end of our service, I just want to do this today. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you would like to receive Jesus, and you would like, and I'm, you know, I know that Jesus has received all of us, and many people say we don't need to receive Jesus because he actually received us and so forth. This is what I want to say to you. You might sit there today, and you might feel, I want to make use of this. I want to receive this as a truth for me today. I would like to pray for you right now. Let us just all pray together. And everybody that is in the church, let's just honor this moment and let us just pray together with those that pray this prayer for the first time. I want you to follow me in prayer and pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus Christ, I am acceptable before you. You've always accepted me. Today I see how much you love me. You have conquered all sin and all death. And as you are seated at the right hand of the Father, bodily, your life is my life. I today declare that truth 
and receive it as the truth. Holy Spirit, this body is yours to manifest all the truth of Jesus in. Amen and amen. We've prayed that prayer today and you would want any one of us to pray with you, please go to our website and that would be dynamicministries.com or you can go to bertiebrits.com and on that, at that website just click on web pastors and you can contact any of our web pastors or there is contact information there. Uh, I think there's a, 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 well, there is a telephone number you can call in the United States. Please feel free to call the, the, that number and we would love to minister to you. Thank you so much for being part of this service. I want to just say this. God loves you and he always, always will love you.